You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Steve uh, as well. Uh, so today it's the trifecta. Steve Hendrick is give, gave life at Antioch. We prayed for Steve, and now you got a Steve speaking to you. So this is going to be a great day in church today with the Steves uh, leading, the, <laughs> leading, leading the way. I, I love... Steve Hendrick, um, my time with Steve Hendrick goes all the way back to my summer internship here in the summer of 2000. Steve worked in the middle school ministry, and when I came in the summer of 2000, he would have me over to his house uh, for dinner. I, I can't remember if it was every week or every other week, I'd go over there, and we've had dinner together. And I remember Lori's wife was pregnant with one of their kids, and I don't remember which one, but she was pregnant. She was really sick, and so most of the time when I'd come over there, Steve would be the one fixing dinner and taking care of our time there. And I, I love Steve. Uh, when we came in 2004, I started as the middle school pastor here. And when I came, Steve Hendrick was the guy I worked with. So Steve and I did student ministry together for about eight years. So we've been on a lot of camps together, activities with the middle school students. And if you've ever been on activities or camp with middle school students, Steve and I got a lot of stories um, together. But I love, he's been a good friend a mentor to me and a faithful church member. And I'm honored that he serves as the chairman of our deacon board and leads our deacons really well. And so I'm so thankful for Steve. Um, before I, I jump into the message today, I wanted to take a quick minute and talk with you about this bulletin you received when you came in. If you didn't receive it, there's one in the back. I want you to grab it and pull it out really quick um, because the next week of our church starting next Sunday is one of the most important weeks in the life of our church. And so it's important to take just a quick minute outside of life at Antioch and our worship in the word to talk about it. So we have a week every year that we call Go Global Week, where we focus our attention on the harvest and we look at where God is working around the world. And we call it the Go Global Conference. And so next Sunday, this Go Global Conference begins. And you can see on Sunday morning, it's going to look a little bit different um, than our typical Sunday morning in that at this hour, and if this is your typical hour to come to, again, welcome you to come. You you'll get to hear from John Connerup. And John Connerup oversees the missions office where the majority of our missionaries work through. And you'll get to hear his heart. He grew up in Kenya, uh, was a missionary to Kenya, went back, and now he serves as the director of missions for the Baptist Bible Fellowship. It'd be a great service for you to be at here at the 10 o'clock hour. But what you can see is there's other things going on. So the hour before, we have all three missionaries. So we have one in the auditorium, Steve, the Switzers, the Buxtons in Krieger Hall, and John Connor up in 201. So here's what would be my encouragement to you. If you typically only come to one service, I would encourage you next Sunday to come to two. And I know that's a big commitment. It's an extra hour of your life, but I really do believe it will be worth your time to go to the breakout. So you're here in John Connor up at 10. 
you would go to Krieger Hall to hear the Buxtons to the Philippines. So I would encourage you next week to come at the 8.30 hour, go to Krieger Hall, which is the stairway out there. It's the front front building here, that stairway, go up to it, and in there is where the Buxtons will be. It'll be a relaxed setting where they'll share their story, we'll do some Q&A with them, we'll show a video, you'll be able to ask questions of them, we'll pray over them, so it's really relaxed, but it's an opportunity for you to get to know the missionaries, and so I'd encourage you, 8.30 hour, Krieger Hall, then you can come to your normal worship service here at 10, and you'll hear from John Connor up, and then you can see the other things that are going on that morning as well with other breakouts. But on Monday, then we have our ladies night out, which will be right here in the auditorium with our missionary ladies. And so we'd encourage you ladies to be a part of that. It's at 6 p.m. Tuesday, we have our men's barbecue and prayer walk, which is at Nancy Myers' house and men in the room and, and, and students, I would encourage you men to be a part of this prayer walk. We get together right at the beginning before we eat, we have uh, banners set up and we go around to those different banners as groups of men and we pray over them. If you don't, not the kind of guy that likes to pray out loud, it's fine. Still come and be a part. Your presence matters. And we go to those different session, uh, sections. We pray over those guys. Then we'll have a really good barbecue meal together. And then we'll just sit around the fire and it'll be a great time together as men. Then on Wednesday, we have our all church dinner and celebration, which will be right out here in the parking lot. So you won't be able to miss it. We'll set up tables and chairs out there. We eat dinner together as a church family, and then we'll have the missionaries share a little bit, and then we'll pray over them and send them off. And it's just a great time. And if the weather continues, I haven't looked for the weather this that week, but if it continues, it's going to be a great time to just be together outside and enjoy our church family and enjoy our missionaries. So I'd encourage you to be a part of those things. Then the following Sunday, October the 16th, is what we call Faith Promise Sunday. And we have a guest speaker, Brian Weed. Brian and Rachel will be here with us. But in the seat pocket in front of, front of you, or maybe you received this, we have a Go Global Commitment Card, Faith Promise Commitment Card. And so on that Sunday, we will collect these. And this is how this works. We ask Antioch, you as a church family, to give above and beyond your tithes to world and local missions. And so whatever you give tithe-wise, we just say, hey, what would God lay on your heart to give above and beyond that? And all of that money that you give goes to the advancement of the gospel around the world. It doesn't go to any operating funds, any salaries. It doesn't go to anything here at the church. It all goes straight to our missions fund and it's used to advance the gospel. So because you're generous to give this week above and beyond your tithes. I was able to send 600, we as a church, not I, we as a church were able to send $650 through the WANA ministry that we have on Wednesday night. They're starting schools and we were able to send and support a school for a year, $650 because you guys are faithful to give. I was able to send $500 to Don Bear in the Philippines uh, a couple of weeks ago because they're doing a, they're having pastors come in from all the different villages around in the Philippines there and even Cambodia having them come in and they're encouraging them and equipping them so they're raising funds for that so because you're faithful to give to Faith Promise I was able to send those $500 and then we support some 76 missionaries and uh, so because you're faithful to give 
week after week, month after month, we're able to faithfully give to them. So that will be on that Sunday, uh, October the 16th. So here's what we need from you though, as we bring this, land this plane with this section, is there's a QR code on there. We need you to sign up. And, and here's, here's what I want you to know. You're looking at a guy who's horrible at signing up for things. So I've had a thing that I've known about for two months with Refuge KC that is a ministry in our city that, have, that I've been invited to go be a part of a sort of to see what the ministry is all about. Six weeks ago, the lady, we were emailing back and forth, make sure you sign up by September the 30th. She sent me an email every week from, from that two weeks ago. Sign up, sign up, sign up. I was like, I'll do it on Friday, right? Because it's the 30th. That's the last day to sign up. That's when you sign up for things. And I totally forgot yesterday morning, I'm checking email. It's like, ah. So I emailed Patty and was like, hey, Patty, it's me. I'm that guy. Can I sign up for that? And she was gracious enough to let me in. So don't be me. Sign up, all right, for the uh, Go Global Conference. And here's, here's the deal. I'll make it easy on you today, only for the 10 o'clock service. You have a connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. If you don't want to do the whole online sign up, pull out the connection card, put your name on it, put what each event and how many are going to be there, all right? So women's night, one, men's night deal, five, all church dinner, 500, all right? And uh, don't lie, but put how many are gonna be there and then that'll be helpful to us and you can drop it in the offering box. So let me pray over this and then we'll get to the word together. Thanks for listening. Father, I am grateful for this week and it really does matter. It, it matters for the 76 missionaries that we send monthly support to. It matters uh, for these schools and outreaches that are happening through the Awana ministry in Africa. It mattered to Don Bear two weeks ago when we were able to send him $500 as a church to help with this retreat for pastors and missionaries to pour in their lives as they go into unreached places around the world. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be fully engaged as a church over this next week. Listen, I know I'm, my schedule's just as full as everyone's in the room. I, this week I've got three volleyball games, a tournament on Saturday, the week of missions conference, my son's got a football game and we got volleyball games and meetings. And But help us, Lord, because it's easy to get so focused on those things that we don't focus on these weeks where we need to maybe set aside some of those things so we can be fully present here. And I think this is one of the weeks of the life of our church that we should do that. And so help us to be able to do that, to put the things on our calendar aside and maybe even make some sacrifices of pulling our kids out of events or things so that they can be a part of it and get a glimpse for the world. Um, I know it, it takes sacrifice. And so help us Lord to do our part to be a part of this week and to see your vision for the world and how you're using people to advance the gospel. And I pray that you would work in our hearts in such a way that we would be generous as the church is so generous. And this week I was blown away again by their generosity as Janice sent me the totals that we've given this year. And I can't wait to share it in a few Sundays. I was humbled by how much our church has given to missions again this year. and So help us, Lord, to continue to be generous because you've been so generous to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Think with me about this question this morning. What is going to matter 2,000 years from now? What is going to matter 2,000 years from now? When you and I think about our lives, what are we doing today that will matter 2,000 years from now? Who are we becoming today that will matter 2,000 years from now? Single young adult in the room, are you living your life in a way that will matter 2,000 years from now? Parents, are you leading your family in a way that will matter 2,000 years from now? Retired couple, are you investing your life in a way that will matter 2,000 years from now? This kind of question brings clarity to our lives. This question allows us to step back and see life for what it is. As James says, life is but a vapor. We all know that life is temporary, so it really is important that we become and live for what matters most. At Antioch, we believe that what will matter most in 2,000 years is that we lived out our vision and mission statement, which is leading generations to make disciples of Jesus Christ everywhere. At the end of 2,000 years, it won't matter how pretty our buildings were, how big our budget was, or how many butts we had in seats every Sunday. What is going to matter 2,000 years from now is that we as a church, and I'm talking to each person who calls Antioch their home, leads generations to make disciples of Jesus Christ everywhere. One of the places we get this mission statement from in the Bible is from the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. So I'd love for you to turn there with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We'll look specifically today at verse 8. The book of Acts is the second volume of Luke's writings. Luke records for us the life of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. And we know the gospels to be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so Luke's first volume that he wrote is the life of Jesus. Acts is the second volume of Luke's writings. Acts is Luke recording for us how the life of Jesus works itself out through his followers. We would say this is the history of the early church. This is the acts of the Holy Spirit. This is what we see in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, as Luke transitions from writing about the life of Jesus to writing about how the church is born and how the Holy Spirit worked through people in the church. And so it begins in this way. In the first book, that's the book of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself, Jesus did, alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, 
He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. That promise of the Father is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus says to them in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. They're asking Jesus if he's going to set up his earthly kingdom now. And Jesus, in a nice way, says it's none of your business. The Father has those details figured out. Rather than having them engage in predictions about when God would restore his kingdom, he calls them to focus on the task at hand. Isn't it fascinating that the disciples have already lost focus on the great commission that he has given to them? Matthew 28, 19. Go, make disciples of all nations. And how they're in this upper, upper room together and they're in this room together and they've already lost focus. Are you going to set up your kingdom now? Like, are we going to take over Rome and this is going to be really good? You've come back. They've already lost focus. One of my favorite uh, animated movies is an animated movie called Up. If you've ever seen Up, it's one of those tear-jerking kind of movies. But my favorite character in Up is Doug the dog. And the the premise of the movie with these dogs is they have collars on. And so when they bark, rather than hearing barks, you hear a human voice. So you hear what they're saying. So Doug the dog would run up to the old man and get on his leg and say, I love my owner, blah, 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 all this kind of talk, right? And then all of a sudden, as he's talking to the dog, as he's talking to his owner, his head turns and he says, squirrel, right? And if you haven't seen it, YouTube it. It's really funny. I was watching it last night laughing to myself how funny it was to again watch that scene where he's talking to his owner and all of a sudden turns his head and it's like squirrel and then just goes right back to talking. So in our family, the joke is, and especially middle school brains, because that they just, you know, like, I don't know where you're going with this kind of thing. We'll say to our kids, squirrel. And the idea is bring it back. I don't know where you went with this conversation, but we have lost and we need to get back to what we were talking about. This is what has happened to the disciples. They're like, squirrel, right? Are you going to set up your kingdom? And he said, no, go make disciples of all nations. The primary concern, the NIV commentary says, the primary concern should not be political power that will come through the restoration of Israel's kingdom. It should be the spiritual power that was going to come on them through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which would enable them to witness to the world. And so Jesus is bringing their focus. He's saying, all right, let's get back focused on why you're here. And that's Acts 1.8, where it says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus says, men and women, let me get your eyes back focused on what you are all about. And here's what he says. You will receive 
power. This word power has the, ability, has the idea of ability to do things by virtue of strength, skill, resources, or authorization. He says, I'm going to give you power to accomplish something. Where does this power come from? Well, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This third person of the Trinity that they are going to receive will come on them and that will be the one who will give them the power to do what they are called to do. We see this happen in Acts chapter 2 in verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In that moment, they received the power that they needed to do the mission that was set before them. And why does God give them the Holy Spirit? Why does Jesus send the Holy Spirit? Look at what it says. And you will be my witnesses. He's given them the Holy Spirit to be their witnesses. That word witness is the idea of an eye or ear witness. If you go to Acts chapter 22 and verse 20, it says that Stephen was a witness. What does that mean? Ultimately, Stephen was a martyr and our English word martyr comes from the Greek word witness, which is marte. But the essence here is that it's one who gives a public testimony to his faith before a tribunal and then suffers the penalty for it. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. He'd given his life for the cause of Christ. That's what it means to be a witness. He was an eyewitness and he shared that with others. J.D. Greer in his book, The Spirit Continued, says the Holy Spirit has come on you to empower you for mission. You are filled with the Holy Spirit to be a witness. So we could translate Acts 1-8 in this way. But Steve, all right, since we're on the Steve thing today, but Steve will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When does the Holy Spirit come upon me? When I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and lived inside of me. And Steve will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You can put your name there. But Darcy will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon him. And Darcy will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And the natural outworking of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that we are witnesses for Christ. John MacArthur in his commentary on the book of Acts says, There is a sense in which the, believer, the believers do not even choose whether or not to be witnesses. They are witnesses, and the only question is how effective their witness is. In the rest of verse 8 there, Luke outlines for us the rest of the book of Acts. He says, they're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what you can do in this moment is see that this is the book of Acts working itself out. So chapters 1 through 7 is Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12 is Judea and Samaria. Chapters 
13 through 28 is to the ends of the earth. Basically, the idea is they started witnessing right where they were living, and then they went a little farther to places and people that were their enemies or that were outcast of society. Judea had already rejected Christ. And now Jesus is saying, go to them. Samaria was a place referred to as half-breeds. They were not well looked upon. They were the outcast of society. And now he says, take the gospel to them. And then he says, and now go to the ends of the earth. The place the farthest you can think in your mind. The place that you've heard about that you, you don't know anything about. Take the gospel. Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. This is where we get the idea from our purpose statement, our mission statement for the word everywhere. God has given us the Holy Spirit to witness about Jesus everywhere. From where we live to the people that we may consider outcasts or enemies in our society and around our, our country and even to the people who have never heard of Jesus. This is the everywhere. And the question becomes, of this early church, how did they witness everywhere? How, how did this work itself out? What were some things that you could see or ways that you could see that they witnessed everywhere they went? The first way that I want you to notice that they witnessed is they shared Jesus. Obviously, you're going to go through the book of Acts and repeatedly you're going to find that they were sharing Jesus. But I want you to look specifically at Acts chapter 10 and verse 42. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 42, Peter says this, and he commanded us to preach. Who? Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judged of the living, to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter says, we have been commanded to share Jesus everywhere that we go. It takes us back to the Great Commission as we are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We know this to be sort of the, the key verse, the pinnacle verse of you are to go and make disciples of all nations. God has called us and commanded us to share Jesus everywhere we go. What does that look like in the book of Acts? Well, if you go to Acts chapter 4, in verses 13 through 18, you see that they're beginning to share Jesus wherever they go. And it says in verse 13, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, what were they bold about? Jesus. They were sharing Jesus. They were bold about Jesus, perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For, they, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 19. But Peter and John answered him, 
Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But verse 20, for we cannot speak what we have seen and heard. That's what a witness is. A witness is one who says, I can't help but speak what I have seen and heard. Sharing Jesus is an eyewitness account of what Jesus has done for you. That's why they couldn't stop them from sharing Jesus because he had so radically changed their life. They couldn't help but talk about him. You see, I think oftentimes when it comes to evangelism or sharing Jesus, we can make it really complicated. The Romans road, sharing Jesus without fear, three circles. And it's like, I've got to figure out this way to sort of walk people through it. And there's a place for that. But at the end of the day, sharing Jesus is just simply you saying, here's what my life was before Christ. Here's when I met Jesus and here's how he's changed my life. That, that, it's that simple. So for me, the story is before I met Jesus, I was a religious church kid who was trying to earn my way to heaven. Everything that I did in my life was a means to please God and to please my parents. And so it was just about me trying to do the right things so that when I would go to heaven, God would let me in because of my good works. And it was a miserable life to live. Month after month, I would go to bed with a sense of uncertainty in my heart as a kid. As a, as a, as a young teenager, I would go to bed with a sense of uncertainty because it was like, am I good enough? Have I done enough good things that it will outweigh my bad things? And it wasn't until August 8th, 1993 that I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, what happened in my life was for the first time I realized it ain't about you, Steve. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And when you stand before God someday, it's not gonna be, hey, look at how I taught a Sunday school class. I rode the bus to church with my mom and dad. I went on visitation. I read my Bible through 2,500 times. I prayed every night. Look at what I did. No, when I stand before Jesus, before God, the only reason I would be in his presence is because of the person of Jesus Christ. And I admitted that I was a sinner and that Jesus saved me from my sins. And I stand before God righteous, not because of my goodness, but because of his righteousness. And how has my life changed? There's a peace that comes with that. Every Sunday before I come up here and speak, I get on my floor in my office and pray, God, no matter what happens today, I still belong to you. What am I reminding myself of? The gospel. That there's a peace that comes that even if I fail, I'm still a child of God. My best days and my worst days, I'm still a child of God. That's as simple as it is to share your story. Here's what was my life before Christ. Here's when I met Jesus and here's how he changed my life. And our story should be the same as Peter and John's. I can't help but share about Jesus. We've been given the Holy Spirit so we will bear witness about Jesus. So we can say we are spirit-filled Christians. So I would say this, can we say that we are spirit-filled Christians if we don't share Jesus? Can we say at Antioch that we are a spirit-filled church if we're not sharing Jesus?
I don't know. Because Acts 1.8 says, when you receive power and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit wasn't just given to us so that we could be comforted when life goes south. The Holy Spirit was given to us so that we would be his witnesses. I want you to know, church, this was as hard to prepare as it's hard to hear. Because you're looking at the chiefest sinners of this. As a pastor, I have not led well in sharing Jesus with those outside of this wall, these walls. And as the leader goes, it says, so goes the church. And so I take full responsibility that our church is not more spirit-filled with sharing Jesus outside of these walls. It just so happened, and this is how the Lord works in his providence and kindness towards us, is this week I'm reading a leadership book and the chapter, couple, one of the chapters I read this week was a heart focused outward. So here I am, challenged. We go to a conference this week, it's for the nations. It's talking about sharing your faith. I read a book this week, leadership, I think I'll be good, no conviction there. One of the chapters is heart focused outward. And here was the four questions the pastor leader asked in this book. And I've failed. When is the last time you've had a lost person in your home? How meaningful, how many meaningful conversations did you have with a non-Christian this week? When is the last time you talked about your faith with someone far from God? Who are the non-believers you prayed for today? And I finished that chapter and just said, whoa. Maybe one out of four? It's not good odds. So I want you to know, it's convicting to me as it is to you, I hope, that God has called us to be his witnesses outside of these walls. Yes, we're gonna talk about Jesus in here, but if as your pastor, all I talk about Jesus is in here and in our offices, I've failed you as a pastor. Because I'm to lead the way in sharing Jesus everywhere. So it matters in the cul-de-sac I live in. It matters that I share Jesus in the places I shop. It matters that I share Jesus when I go to sporting events, right? It matters that, that my life reflects Jesus and not just reflects it, but talks about it. So I want you to know this is not just for you today. This is for me, and I would apologize for that. The second way they witnessed is they sent people out to witness in places they could not go. Look at Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, verses one through four, it says this. Now there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, 
And there was some other names of people I'm not going to read because you'll make fun of me later on because I can't pronounce them. So verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them. And what did they do? They sent them off. One of the ways that they witnessed was not only sharing Jesus, but they also sent people out. They laid hands. Antioch's a pretty good name for a church. So at Antioch, they laid hands on Paul, who is Saul in the text, Saul and Barnabas, and they sent him out. And this was Paul's first missionary journey as he is sent out from Antioch. And aren't we eternally grateful that the church of Antioch didn't say, Paul's one of our best, can we keep him here? Instead, they said, let's send him out. And because Paul was sent out from the church at Antioch, we have a bunch of books of our Bible. We have the gospel here today because that church was faithful to send people out. Who will be the next single person or the next family to be sent out of Antioch? Who will be the next Marcus and Kayla Mackey to take the gospel to unreached cities in our country? Who will be the next single person like Rachel Tarvin to go to the jungles of Peru and take the gospel to those who have never heard? Who will be the next Roger and Tammy Akers who will sell their business and sell their home and leave everything that they know in Kansas City and move their family to the Philippines and invest their life in the people of the Philippines and beyond? Who will be the next missionary? Who will be the next pastor? Who will be the next person who will take their business and say, you know what? There's an opening in the Middle East. There's an opening in India. There's an opening in these unreached people groups area for my work. And I think it would be good for my family to uproot from Kansas City and move to one of these unreached people groups area with the business that I have and share the gospel in our room today. There is a young lady that I met before the service who's through cross-world ministries. And she has felt since she was high school that God was leading her into missions. So she goes into college and she gets a teaching degree and now she is teaching in India and sharing the gospel through the gifts that God has given her to be a teacher. Who will be that person from our church? The success of Antioch will not come from our seeding capacity, but from our sending capacity. The third way they witnessed is they prayed. And, and there's tons of verses in Acts on prayer. I'll give you one, Acts 1, 14, right out of the be beginning. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brother. So right out of the book of Acts in chapter one and verse 14, what are they doing? They're praying. And then as you follow the storyline, what, what beads the storyline? What, what, what is the flow of the storyline? It is repeatedly prayer, prayer, prayer. Prayer saturated the early church. In Acts chapter two, it says that they devoted themselves to prayer. That they gave their 
time and their energy to prayer. Prayer was not just something you did before you ate. Prayer was a part of the DNA of the church. We know this church in Matthew 9, 38, Jesus calls us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Jesus himself calls us to pray with the nations in view. Prayer is the heartbeat of witnessing. Prayer, as I said last year, precedes mission. When you study the Bible, when you study church history, you can almost always come back to a prayer meeting that launched revival. You can almost always come back to a moment they were praying. Acts chapter 13, they're praying. And it's like lay hands on Paul and Saul and Barnabas and send them out. Acts chapter 2, they're praying and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And what do they do? They get tongues. Tongues is not the idea that they were speaking in languages that couldn't be understand, couldn't be understood. The, the idea of tongues is that they were speaking in other people's languages. They were given the Holy Spirit to be a witness. So that when they spoke, they would speak in a language that somebody who hadn't heard the gospel could understand. And all of that came from a prayer meeting. I believe that we don't share Jesus more because we don't pray more for lost people. When is the last time you prayed for God to save someone who's lost? When is the last time you prayed for God to send laborers to his harvest? When is the last time you prayed for an unreached people group that doesn't get this every week. This is what it means to be a witness. On my phone, I brought it up here today to show you this or to point it out. I, there's two apps on my phone that help me with this. The first one is the Joshua Project app and it's unreached people group. So every day you get a different unreached people group to pray for. So today, the prayer is for a people in Peru. I'm not gonna, again, try to say their names. There's a place down here where you can actually press play and listen to their names. But it's an unreached people group in Eastern Andean foothills of Peru. And it tells you about them. It tells you how to pray for them, what the ministry obstacles are. It even shows you a map of where they're at in that country. This is a great way for you to pray and I to pray for the unreached people groups around the world. There are still three billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. That means this, they don't have a shot in hell, literally. They will die without Christ and spend an eternity in hell unless we pray and send and share and give. The fourth way they witnessed is they gave. Look at Acts chapter two and verse 45. It says this, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
So one of the characteristics of the first church was that they gave, they sold everything that they had or they sold stuff that they had so that they could help each other out, so they could send people, so they could take care of other churches outside of their area. You go to Acts chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. You see it again. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea And they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Paul. So they took up an offering and they sent it with Barnabas and Paul to go to Judea to help the church in Judea. The early church was a generous church. This is why we call you at Antioch to give not for our good, but for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom because it's a way that we can be a witness to the world. So four ways they were witnesses. They shared, they sent, they prayed, and they gave. I started our service today with this question. What is going to matter 2,000 years from now? I would propose to you today that you are in this room Because 2,000 years ago, a group of people whose story is recorded for us in the book of Acts decided to live for what would matter most 2,000 years from then. And they took the call of Acts 1-8 seriously. And they were his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is going to matter 2,000 years from now, church, is if we share everywhere. We send everywhere. We pray everywhere. And we give everywhere. This is, why the, this is why we do a Go Global conference. This is why we ask you to give above and beyond your tithe to Faith Promise. This is why we set goals to give $3 million to world and local missions over the next seven years. This is why we set a goal to send three church planners and missionaries out from our church. This is why we seek to live out our vision of leading generations to make disciples of Jesus Christ everywhere. Why? because we want to do something that will matter 2,000 years from now. Father, I'm thankful for the recording of early church history in the book of Acts and how we can watch them live out your word when they received power and as they were witnesses. And we sit in this room today because they lived for what matters most 2,000 years from then. And Lord, my prayer, if you would be so kind as to use our church, as we share you, as we send, as we pray, as we give, I'm asking that 2,000 years from now, if you tarry your coming, that there will be a small group of believers 
in a village somewhere that is unreached with the gospel. And although they would never trace the line back to this place, because it's been 2,000 years, but we would know because we shared Jesus everywhere, because we sent to everywhere, because we prayed for everywhere, and because we gave so they could go everywhere, there would be a group of believers, that three billion that would know you and follow you and that they would live in such a way that would matter 2,000 years from then. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's antiochbbc.org. God's best to you.